Hi, and welcome to Y2K Group Chat. This is a series about how artists navigate through their practice and a behind-the-scenes look into their lives. Y2K Group is an art agency and advisory focused on supporting emerging artists in New York and beyond. Ted Gall is a painter living and working in Northwest Connecticut that went to RISD in Providence, Rhode Island. The following podcast episode was recorded in December 2020. Enjoy. Hello. Matthew. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Do you want me to ask you questions or um Sure. Yeah, you can do whatever whatever you feel feel like doing. Okay. Um what was the New York art world like when you first moved here? Um I got out of school in Rhode Island in 2010 and I came back to New York um, to kind of try to figure things out. I think probably like a lot of people that get out of school for painting and um, I got really lucky and got a job uh, working for the painter Eddie Martinez Hmm. and his wife Sam Moyer Um, and that was that was really amazing and uh And, you know, I think the immediate difference then, you know, compared to especially right now is that I think it sounds kind of cliche, but I feel like, you know, maybe being that young and being in New York, it felt like it was there was really a community there um, that I was really lucky to kind of be a part of. And, you know, Eddie would have these drawing parties at his studio. And uh, this is how I ended up, you know, getting to meet a lot of artists who I knew their work, but I didn't know them. And um, he would have these drawing parties and it was kind of this great icebreaker uh, where you could kind of, you know, make conversation with artists based on liking their drawing or liking their work. And mm-hmm. it was very, it was very, you know, communal and very uh, laid back. And um, I don't know, it was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. And this was kind of before, uh, you know, Instagram kind of came into play. It was kind of in a weird time frame with that kind of stuff. Cause I think you know, people are using Facebook, but I, I didn't have it. So I was kind of in between having a way to kind of, you know, uh, you know, talk to people online. Uh, so, you know, just kind of, you know, doing this kind of old school thing of having people over to draw and drink wine. And then that turned into studio visits and that turned into meeting more people um, you know, it was only 10 years ago, but it's still, I think looking back, it felt really analog. It felt very analog and it felt like you really had to kind of, you know, pound the pavement and go see people's work and kind of meet up with them and get a beer to kind of see what's going on. Whereas nowadays you kind of, you can kind of get an inside look at what people are working on just kind of by going on your phone. I think it's, everything's very accessible now, you know? Mm-hmm. Was there like a lot of people there, like over 10 or was it like a small group? Oh, it's at the drawing parties. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would usually be, it would be like, you know, 10, 10, 15 people. Um, and it was just kind of an excuse to, I think just to get together. Um, but it's funny because, you know, again, like you back then I I felt like that kind of stuff was kind of normal. And then as time went on and then again, especially kind of compared to now, it's like, yeah, it's almost kind of this like kind of a wild idea, you know, and it's like, as, as people get older, of course, people, you know, move away, they leave the city, people have families. And so, but yeah, you know, getting together like that, at that time frame and at that age, that all seemed, you know, it was, it was a very social, you know, I got out of school and it was very, it was a very social time frame. You're really, 
energized and excited to go to openings and to kind of put yourself out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just a very different kind of pace, uh, for me at that time and being in New York than compared to now. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Do you remember like maybe your first group show or, or solo show like after? Um, yeah, I mean, I think like I, I'd been lucky when I was in, at Rizzi to be in a couple things here and there. Um, I did some stuff with my friends in Baltimore and that was, that was cool. Um, these guys, Seth and Alex ran a space called Nudishank. And I feel like that oh, was yeah. kind of a, that was like an important kind of first show for me. Cause they had, they had a lot of coverage going on. They're very popular in Baltimore and, and kind of like all over the place. People knew what they were up to and they were, they had a great program and, um, I still, you know, I still talk to them. We still hang out. And so that was big for me when I was in school. And then when I got out of school, um, after being in New York for a year, I got like my first kind of, I guess, a real kind of solo show with a gallery called Dodge Gallery run by Kristen Dodge, who now lives in Hudson, New York, and mm -hmm. runs a space called September, which is a really cool spot. And so I just showed a lot of small paintings at her space in the Lower East Side and um a couple big things and that was like my first kind of real new york show and it was uh it was fun it was really fun and i still think about it a lot and that was kind of kind of got things rolling got the ball rolling with kind of showing work and you know keeping that all in mind when you're making work and stuff that was kind of i think the start for me you know did you feel a lot of pressure um like leading up to the show and then like when it closed what kind of energy were you feeling? Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's funny. Like, I think that when you're, I think I was around 27 or 20, 27, 28 years old. I mean, I feel all that pressure now at that time. I didn't feel anything. I, oh. I, you know, I think I was so totally, totally kind of naive to how a lot of that stuff worked. I was just so excited to, ha you know, have my paintings up in New York. And to even have people come and hang out and show up, that, that was just huge for me. And that, you know, I think after you've done this stuff for a while, you start to, you start to put a lot more pressure on yourself about how is it going or how is it being received or is this going to work? You know, at the time I, it was very simple. It was like, I, you know, I took my paintings and put them in my truck and drove them across the bridge and we hung them up and that was it. It, it wasn't, it was, it was not very, you know, not very complicated and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was thrilled, you know, I mean, people, people saw it and people told me they've checked it out and, you know, I mean, it sounds silly, but this is kind of, you know, if you're a painter, that's kind of, that's kind of where it's at, you know, it's getting your peers or people that you hang out with to go see what you're making. And, um, you know, I sold it, sold, sold some stuff, which, you know, was like kind of a dream come true and you're just getting out of school or whatever. And, yeah, it was great. And it's like, yeah. And I, I, w I always joke with like other painters where there's like, once your show is over, you have this kind of like this show come down feeling where you're kind of like, you know, mm. like you almost live a month at a time or it's kind of, it's kind of funny where you're like, you're really excited for that month while it's up and then it comes and goes really quickly. And then you're kind of like, well, now I have to figure out what the next thing is or whatever. So it's just like, you're constantly kind of in that routine, I guess, for a while. Do you think it'd be uh helpful to have like longer shows um yeah and i feel like that's actually i feel like that's happening more that's funny you said that because i just was talking to a friend 
And we were talking about this idea that when you you work with alternative spaces or uh, spaces in people's apartments or kind of off the cuff, uh, you know, situations, I think there's a lot more wiggle room to extend the dates. And, uh, you know, and again, especially now with the situation we're in, I think that people are much more open to the idea of uh, longer runs, making appointments, taking time to really actually go see a show and making it you know, uh, kind of the, uh, thing to search out for your day, uh, as opposed to what it used to be before the pandemic, which I think was a little bit more carefree where you would kind of, you know, uh, you know, waltz around Chelsea or go to the Lower side or go to Brooklyn or whatever, and kind of pop into places that you knew were around. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's changed. Uh, at least it's for me, it's changed where it's like, you know, I think people are now a little bit uh, more selective about what shows they want to go see. And they, you know, you have to kind of put in a little bit of work and a little, you know, a little bit of time on both ends for people running the spaces too, to kind of accommodate, uh, you know, the situation that we're in. So I think that that's, that's all kind of changed, uh, maybe in a good way. You know, I think that having it be really easy to pop into a show is certainly nice, but I also think that this is kind of weeding out, uh, you know, I think I think it's making people really want to go support the work and the artists that they're into, um, which I think is is nice. You know, it, it's uh, there's there's more effort there. A lot of galleries are focusing online more so, right? Especially during the lockdown, like yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure like I already know the answer, but how do you feel about just seeing work online versus seeing it in person? I mean, I really, I really, really love seeing paintings in person. Um, I love going to certain galleries that have a feel that, you know, you know, you, you, that you like from going for a long time. Um, and I think that that's whether it was before this or after this, I think that's kind of the best way to look at art, especially paintings. I feel like, I think that they deserve that. And I think that, uh, you really do see things when you're there in person that you just, it just doesn't translate, especially through a phone, which is a really small way of looking at an image. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm practical, you know, and like, I don't live uh, in New York city. So, you know, a, a vast majority of the work I'm looking at, just like I think any other artist in this time frame, is, you know, while you're looking at your phone every day, for sure. I mean, that's, that's just kind of become inevitable. Um, but, you know, I think there's pluses and minuses to the whole the whole thing. I mean, if you can go and see the work you really want to see in person, that's great. But it's also like, you know, there's stuff in London or Brussels that I would never have the chance to go see anyway. So it really makes it convenient for that. And I also think that the fact that all of these art fairs now have to do this stuff online is is honestly kind of hilarious because I think a lot of the artists that are in these fairs or would want to enjoy the fairs don't even really get to go to a lot of this stuff anyways. Uh, and I think that that is just kind of this, this strange, almost kind of like shot in front of situation where the people that want to go to these fancy art fairs the most can't go. And now it's all just like a shopping list on a website with really high prices. So I find that whole thing like actually kind of hilarious, but I think it's really streamlined a lot of that stuff. And it's shown that you don't need to, had people flying airplanes all over the world with huge, you know, you know, insane packaged sculptures and all this freight and all this work that has to go into it just so they can show something for three days when they've proven that you can sell it right on a website. You know, I mean, that's, that's saving a lot of time and, 
energy and just it's just the this you know what you have to go through to do that stuff i don't understand why people would even want to do it so i don't know yeah i felt like there was a, a tipping point i think like yeah so many yeah it's people... almost like it, it's almost it, it strangely kind of came at like this time where i think people were already exhausted with all that stuff anyway so it's it's, it's really bizarre timing how do you think uh like instagram influenced that sort of like art community you know how you were talking about meeting all these people at like the drawing party or going to shows sure. and stuff and now it's sure. like especially if you don't live in new york how has it affected or changed? Yeah, I, I think that uh, just the internet in general, I think it's really kind of split down the middle where I think that there's a lot of great things that have come out of it. And I also think that, of course, on the flip side, there's a lot of really terrible things that have come out of it. Um, I think Facebook is pretty toxic. And I, mm -hmm. I had it I had it for a year, I think, when I was just getting into grad school and it was when obama was running for president and becoming president and just watching online just how nasty people were getting about it even then you know like wow. that was a while ago and it was just it was a real turnoff so I, I left it and then you know people were like well you might like instagram because it's mostly just photos and you're into art stuff and design stuff and it's 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 good for that so i started with that and then you know um as much as I think Instagram has changed, you know, the way we look at art and make it and sell it, I, I would say it's, it's been really helpful. I mean, I, the more I think about it, you know, almost all the opportunities I've gotten as far as showing work, I, I would say it leans towards 70 or 80% probably through Instagram over the years. Oh, wow. um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just funny because when you're in school, you know, they talk about the idea of studio visits and how to have a studio visit and, you know, what you should do when you're in a studio visit. And I mean, I, you know, I don't, I haven't had a lot of studio visits with a lot of dealers. I have studio visits with other artists mostly um, and friends who want to stop by. And, you know, like I had a friend visit from the city uh, today and then they just left and I came home to call you. And it's like, that's, that's, you know, it's makes, it's pretty rare to get dealers to come out to where I am. So it's like Instagram and stuff like that. There's no getting around that. It's a great tool if you, if you use it for that. Um, but then again, it's, you know, there's also that other side of it where it creates anxiety and it creates uh, this atmosphere where you feel like you're not doing enough or you're doing too much. And it can, it can be, it can be strange to, to deal with. Um, and I also think a big part of it is what age you are and when it came into play. I mean, you know, I think young kids who are into art now, it's just a given that that's all part of it. And, you know, we're kind of in a position where we were there before it and we were there um, putting our work out there in kind of different ways. And then this came, you know, this came out and it changed how all that works. And I'll never forget kind of, uh, you know, years back talking to a really young artist and they, they were showing me a, a show on their phone, you know, in some obscure gallery in Austria. And this kid was like 19 years old. And I just thought it was so wild that at that age that, you know, these kids were already so tapped into all that because it's all so readily available to find. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's always, you know, interesting to me, but I think, 
I think it's cool. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of great artists through the phone in Europe and through in, in other parts of the world. And we talk and, you know, to not have that would be pretty lonely, you know? So just some of the people that you've met on, on Instagram, like, especially artists, like, are a lot of them, like, especially overseas or maybe throughout the country, like, are there some that you just like have, you haven't met in person? Oh yeah. Tons of them. Oh, I wow. haven't met in person. Absolutely. I mean, some of these people are, you know, yeah. in, in Denmark or, you know, uh, in places that I've never even been before. Hmm. Um, and it's funny, you just kind of, you, you really kind of glom on to a certain painter's palette or you, you, you like kind of, that they're doing something different or even, I mean, I follow painters who don't even show who are like kind of like hobby painters that make like funny, like, like just comical paintings as a hobby. And I don't even know how I find this stuff and I end up following them. And it's like, those are like some of my favorite accounts is like people who don't even seem to be concerned with any sort of art world who are just making stuff on cardboard or it's not their main gig or, you know, um, so I think it's, it's amazing for that. I mean, it's like, you really, you can really just kind of get lost looking at that stuff and, uh, more and more finding that stuff kind of on the outskirts is, um, is actually really fun. And then, you know, and then there's other parts of it too, where it's like, I'm really into music and there's like an entire, you know, a massive part of my day with social media, just following music involved stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I, I complain about social media and I, I think everybody gets burnt out on it. But I also think that if you kind of learn how to use it the way that makes you not want to tear your hair out and then it's, that it can be really fun. It can be really helpful. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm, when I was younger, I used to play a lot of video games and, and mm-hmm. now I feel like it's not as taboo or like people are gaming and Oh yeah. I haven't like, yeah. I haven't gamed in since high school, but like right. now it's just like, there's like such like a wide, I mean, it's like a, I think it's like a billion dollar industry now or something. Oh, I'm sure. And like, yeah. there's these people that are just, they have like gaming friends, but they'll probably never ever meet them, you know, but yeah. they're like so close yeah. to one another. It's kind of. Absolutely. And it's funny, like that reminded me kind of, I was talking to my parents the other day. And I was saying that, you know, that kind of is similar to the the marijuana situation, which, you know, when I was in high school to get caught with pot or whatever, it was a really big deal. And now you can just buy it anywhere at the store in these like really beautiful boutique kind of, you know, retail stores. And it's almost like you know, we, it, not even that much time has gone by and it's like the whole, you know, the way people view it is just completely different than it used to be looked at. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's, I don't know. It's all, it's things that I never thought would change. So. Yeah. Maybe we could talk more about like some of the shows you're in, like, sure. um, so I'm, I'm assuming it was kind of like a, like with all artists in a way, it seems like there's like a roller coaster of like, mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you're to the ground and then maybe you'll move away to another city or, yep. or you'll like be in a bunch of shows and then like nothing for a while. Um, yeah. I, I guess like you were talking about it a little bit, but like how, how has that affected um, your focus or like how you like keep making work or keep making it like uh, fresh or something? 
Yeah. I mean, it definitely, you know, I'm like getting to the age now where I'm rounding 40 and I've been showing my art, you know, in galleries for, you know, roughly a decade. And, uh, it definitely goes up and down, you know, there's years where, uh, opportunities seem to really kind of just fall into your lap and it almost feels, you know, strangely effortless that things are working, you're selling some things, you're making some money. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next year rolls around and it's almost just like somebody turned off the water, you know, it's like, uh, it just kind of comes to a standstill. And, uh, you know, when this, when that kind of thing first happened to me, it was, it was a bit of a, you know, shock where I was like, Oh no, like things aren't, you know, I have nothing coming up and these, these paintings I made, nobody cares and, you know, nobody wants to buy them. But then the funny thing is, is after doing this for 10 years, I feel like that's already happened like five times. Hmm. Um, so it kind of, in a nice way, you kind of get conditioned to, you know, living this kind of freelance lifestyle, which for a lot of people is really uncomfortable. It's even uncomfortable for the people that are used to it. I mean, I'm still, I still struggle with how annoying and uncomfortable it can be when you're trying really hard and things just don't want to work. Um, but whenever I give advice to, you know, younger artists or whoever, I usually just kind of, all I can really come up with is I think the most dangerous thing you can do is stop making work. I think that's, I think that I've watched that happen to people who I went to school with. Um, I've watched that happen to other artists. And I think that there's a lot of combinations of why that happens. I think there's financial reasons as a big one. I think that uh, people get very frustrated. And I think that also just, you know, you get older and your life changes. People have kids, people get married, people have families. Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen that make it really hard to make paintings, which takes time and space and energy and just a lot of wasting time and looking at something and trying to figure it out. And uh, I think it can be really dangerous to, to stop. Um, I'm not saying you have to be massively prolific and make a thousand paintings a week, but I think you got to try to just kind of, you know, just keep going, which, you know, sounds simple, but I think that's a huge part of it. I've uh, friends get down in the dumps about their situation or their job, or they're not happy with the work they're making. And then all of a sudden time goes by and a great opportunity comes out of nowhere and then they're not ready. And then they lose that opportunity. And all they had to be doing that whole time was just making a little something, you know, until, until an opportunity presented itself. So yeah, that's kind of, I think, I think that's the only one rule I've really stuck to the whole time is just keep making work. You know. I, I mean, I remember your work cause, uh, we went, went to RISD at the same time, yeah. but yep. I, I remember that, uh, your work was a lot different cause it was more like, like collage and uh -huh. kind of like, I, I might've remembered some like sculpture and stuff and like, yeah. and I was thinking about it a little bit like. I think in a way that's sort of like translated in your painting practice a little, because you're not just like a painter that does one thing, you know, you like, it seems like you have like various different series and they're like very different from one another, almost like, um, you know, kind of like that, uh, conversation about like authorship, like not so much right. like you're not making the work, but it's like some of the stuff that you make now, 
looks so different from some of the other stuff in a way. Yeah. Like if you weren't familiar yeah. with your history, like I am yeah. sort of like, you'd think it'd be multiple people making it. And I'm just yeah. uh, interested mm-hmm. in hearing about um, how you were able to, you know, switch gears or kind of come up with these uh, different series and how they've developed, you know, till now. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, you know, when I was, when I was in school there, um, my whole background with getting there, I think was a lot different than a lot of the people I went to school with my, my whole background. Um, I barely got into undergrad, you know, I applied to one art school. I applied to Pratt and got in because I had a friend who I grew up with who was going there. And, you know, I went there to visit and just, I just was, it was so fun to hang out there and party there in Brooklyn. I was like, I I have to find a way to get here. And, um, I got there and I was actually in school for, uh, advertising, art direction, illustration, all that kind of stuff. Cause my dad, yeah, my dad was in advertising for like 30 years and I grew up, you know, kind of looking at a lot of that stuff. And I always made art and I was really into drawing when I was younger. But once I got to high school, I, you know, I was, again, very naive. I, I wasn't aware that there was like a, a big commercial art world. You know, I I, uh, I didn't think that was a feasible, you know, path or a way to make a living or to, you know, I didn't understand that. So going into college, I figured, well, I'm going to need to learn how to do Photoshop and how to do layouts and how to, you know, do stuff like that because that's that'll be a job where I can you know make money and you know make a living so uh yeah that background was just totally different it was a lot of a lot of photo stuff a lot of digital stuff um and then by the time I was at the end of Pratt I was really into painting just on in my free time and I started taking a lot of painting classes um on the side just for extra credits and they really were kind of like you know you're not really you should have been in painting at this point you're not really cut out for this program but we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of pass you anyway because you it's already too late um which was weird so you know then i spent a year uh after that living out near this nature reserve and i just i made a portfolio of paintings in one year and uh ended up getting into RISD. and again like i you know I was super late, you know, late to the game at Pratt skills wise compared to a lot of the kids who I was there with. And it was the same thing at RISD where I was there. And I mean, the, you know, you went there and I, I, the level of talent with some of the people at that school is just really intimidating. I mean, just really some really incredible artists and some of these people that I was in this painting program with, you know, I, they really had already focused in on why, why they were there, what kind of work they were going to make. And it was going to look a certain way. And that was, that was the way they were going to do it. And I was the complete opposite. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go here for two years and I'm going to make every single thing I could possibly come up with. I don't care if it's good or bad, it, you know? And I think that was kind of, I, it was cool because I felt like that was kind of the point, you know, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these grad programs now are these kind of, you know, like, it, the the lead up to having you know a serious gallery representation and this whole thing and I'm like you know I went and I was just like gluing this thing to that thing and trying to figure out what worked and what didn't work and you know I w- again I was very kind of uh, late to how that how that whole system works or in the way it works now um, and yeah with jumping around with work I mean. I think I've kind of streamlined it down to being mostly painting and drawing now. 
Um, but I, I don't, you know, I've made work in a certain way that was popular with galleries and they could sell it. And I stopped making it because I got tired of making it because then it just became making the same painting basically over and over with a couple different colors. And I just, I don't know. I, it's, it's not, it doesn't really do much for me. I like to kind of try to give myself a challenge or try an idea out. And a lot of them fail, you know, I don't, the, the ones that get out there, sometimes still aren't even working that well but it's like i kind of just like to go for it and um it keeps it interesting for me it keeps it interesting to go to my studio and be like all right well you know i'm gonna try this out and and see if this works and um you know it's it's a 50 50 and i think that i think that we're used to seeing a lot of painters who make a product and a gallery sells it and it, they all look very similar and that's fine i think that works great for some artists i think that's that's cool but i, I have a tendency to veer off i don't know whenever i make something um i think i have a very short attention span for my own work so i need to kind of jump around to 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 keep it moving i guess who are some of the the artists that you were looking at or like you're kind of like sort of like favorite painters from art history. I mean, I feel like that's a question when you ask a painter, they could give you kind of like a list forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I really do love a lot of it. I love history painting and there's ones that I always look back on. I really like Kimber Smith a lot. I've been looking at his work a lot the last couple of years and I think he's a really underrated painter um who's just finally getting some recognition um you know where these painters kind of disappear for a long time and then resurface so i think that's really cool um current stuff i feel like the last shows i saw in new york i saw roger white's show at oh, rachel offner yeah. which i thought was fantastic i think he's a really underrated painter um carol dunham show at gladstone was fun it wasn't my favorite work by him but i always like to go see what he's doing um samuel hindolo show at 15 orient was great oh i saw that um yeah really really nice show and then um yeah like for history stuff i look at like osawa tana work a lot which i think the color and palette's really incredible um a lot of those old german painters of course i'm like blanking when you ask me this question. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, looking at Tony Toxin's work a lot, who is an abstract painter from Australia. Huh. And I feel like uh, there's a weird thing in, in the painting world where places like Australia and sometimes Canada, it's almost like they're kind of forgotten from the conversation mm -hmm. just because, you know, with Abex stuff, I think America kind of like uh, kind of locked that down as a brand. And I think that there's a lot more out there that's kind of now coming to the surface. Um, I was really bummed when Susan Rothenberg died. Oh, I think yeah. she was she was fantastic. And then I look at a lot of this older painter um, Gabriel Munter, the kind of a his, history painter, historical painter, and she was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the list can go on forever, as you know, I wrote, I wrote some of these down. So I, so it wouldn't sound so awkward if you were recording me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know who else, who else is good. What shows have you seen that you liked? Oh, um, I mean, I was seeing a lot of shows for a while, like in kind of like September and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, gosh. And just like, because I was kind of cognizant, like thinking like, well, there might be like another wave or something like in the winter. Yeah. And, and you were, and you were totally right. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah. I really like the, do you know Kenny Rivero? Oh yeah. 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 I saw his show at uh, the new Charles Moffat show and I was yep. really, really impressed. I haven't seen him in person before, but I was kind of, you know, looking at his work and the Derek Forjor. Yeah. Uh, I just saw that show too. That was, that was really ambitious. It was a really cool show. Yeah. That was really amazing. And I think, I, th I think, uh, th again, that, that work is a perfect example of work that looks, uh, very nice and flat and, and cool on the screen. And then you don't realize until you're there in person, just how much is going on on those surfaces and how much time goes into those. Yeah. I mean, I just, I was trying to describe it to someone before just like how, how he uses like paint on newspaper and how he collages yeah. that on the canvas and like, yeah. And then how like the oil kind of, glimmers on a newspaper and it's yeah. something about it it makes the color really like more crisp or something it's very it's really interesting yeah. but you know what's funny when i saw those and this was only a couple of weeks ago i saw those and i they actually made me think of food oh. <laughs> um, because when i was looking into the paintings i felt like i was kind of looking at like a nice pie that had gotten like a chunk out of it, you know, like, so it's like the lace part has kind of been broken on the top, but then you're looking in and you can kind of see all the nice colors that are inside the pie. <laughs> and just to see how, yeah, just to see how that system of layering works, I think again, is a perfect example of something that really gets lost when you're just kind of zooming through, uh, scrolling quickly on your phone. So yeah, that's, you know, a great example of that. Yeah, so I was pretty blown away by that, and yeah, the big Jeffrey Deitch show was really oh, cool. good too. Yep. Yeah, the one that uh, Austin Lee curated, and nice. Um, yeah, oh yeah, and then I saw uh, Michael Berryhill show at Kate Werbel. Oh, he's great. Space yeah, yeah, uptown. Yeah. That was really it's like cool. a like a townhouse kind of space. Yeah, I'm kind of you know, yep. I think more and more people are trying to show work and like the townhouse or apartment yeah and it's interesting 15 orient like that was really cool yeah that, like space yeah <laughs> I, I was gonna say like i've always been a fan of that kind of like old kind of city apartment look and they do that a lot in europe and i think that i think the um small and kind of mid-sized paintings in those spaces just look kind of amazing so you're here in new york for a while and um i think you moved to la for a little bit and then, yeah, so I was in I was in New York for undergrad, and then went to Rizzi, and then came back to New York, and then was here for a couple of years, and then moved to LA for a year, and then came back at the end of seventeen, and have been here the last three years. Were you just sort of interested in like a change of scenery going to LA? Because I know for a while that was like the whole like. New York or LA or like a lot of New York painters went to LA for a while. And yeah, well, I mean, the thing was, is I, for years I had uh, been house sitting out there like a month for like a month at a time um, for the artist, Jim Shaw and his wife, Marnie Weber. Um, so I would be going out there when they went to uh, Europe for a show or if they had to travel 
and I would go out there and take care of their dogs and uh, stay at their place. And so when I would go for kind of a month, I would really have this time to explore um, Los Angeles. And it was really great. I got to go to, you know, a lot of stuff. I would make a lot of lists of things that were, you know, something I really wanted to see, stuff out in the desert, you know, uh, landmarks from movies, and of course, going to galleries and stuff. Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, you know, I, I know the city pretty well. Maybe I should give it a shot. And, uh, yeah. And I went out there for a year and I lived in a little house, um, in the San Gabriel Valley, like up North from this, from downtown. And, uh, it was cool. It was great. I mean, I love it out there, but I just realized after being there for a year that it's just, uh, it just wasn't a place I wanted to be all the time. You know, I think it's a great place to visit for me personally, but I found it hard and, uh, it's all, you know, it's also expensive too. I think this is this weird myth. The, you know, or this rumor going around, you know, New York that it was like, well, it's great and you get more space and it's cheaper. And I, I went out there and I didn't find that at all because I think that, you know, a lot of people went out there thinking the same thing. And, you know, if you go to a major city, no, kind of no matter where it is, it's always going to be expensive to get a decent amount of space to make art in. So that was tough. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it was, it was a good, it was a good experience. I did a lot of traveling out there. I went to a lot of concerts with a lot of friends that I made. It was great. Um, but yeah, it's a strange place. And I think that when you're, you know, you've been from the East coast your whole life, it's a very big change. I found that even being in that landscape, um, was a very big change. It just felt very, it felt like you're on Mars or something all the time. You know, it's mostly just mm -hmm. desert and mostly brand new buildings and brand new strip malls. And it, it, you know, it was very hard to kind of get used to that. I remember driving back across the country when I left and when I got into Pennsylvania, it just, it turned so green and it was so, you know, so much uh, forest that I, I felt like, Oh, like I'm back, I'm back to kind of where I belong. You know, it was actually really strange. I, I mean, I've heard like, you know, it's, you know, you can only go to like one show a day or something because of like the traffic. Like, was it hard to meet other artists there? Or yeah, shows? I think it. I think it definitely was, and I think that's really true. I mean, I remember I would have to, you know, take a whole day to bring my dog to the vet. You know, that was it. Like, you you could kind of write down one thing you needed to do a day, like a major thing, whether it was go to a gallery, you know, in Culver City or to go get a shirt dry cleaned, you know, it's like, no matter what it was, it was kind of the only thing that could be on your schedule for the day. Um, because yeah, I did find it really hard to get around there. And, um, you know, it's just, it's when you go live somewhere like that and then come back to the East coast, you do start to realize why people do like New York so much. And especially if you're in art, why it makes so much sense because, you know, I mean, you know this, you can go to the city and you can literally see, you know, 20 shows in an hour. And um, to be able to kind of see that much work in person and really good work too, like museum quality art um, is pretty unbelievable. It's, you know, I think that's kind of makes a lot of sense why so many people end up there with this kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, L.A. was, you know, it's still great and they have a great scene. And I still talk to a lot of artists and people out there who are doing their thing. And, you know, I think it's just different what works for everybody. 
Um, but yeah, I think as an antsy person and somebody that likes to make lists and, you know, go check stuff out that I did find it tough, um, to pack a lot into a day. And that's, you know, it's like a stereotype out there. It's just a different pace, you know, and it's like, you either kind of get used to it and you're into it or, you know, for me, it just wasn't clicking. So I just, I got out of there, you know? Do you feel like, especially if you kind of start off in New York, whether you kind of find quick success or success along the way, do you feel like it's maybe not necessary, but like it feels like, or is it like organic where like artists just decide to move out of the city, focus on their work and kind of, you know, take a step away from yeah, I mean, I think that I think that uh, like the two things we've been talking about, like Instagram and the pandemic, that combination in the last couple of you know last year and years before that with Instagram, it 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 really it really changed how all this stuff kind of works. And I feel like when I was in school ten years ago and in that time frame, ten twelve years ago, it it was a no brainer uh, when you were getting out of school that it was time to move to New York and and start making work there. Um, that was just kind of, that was the whole point. I think that was, that was everybody's 85% of the people that was their plan. I think anybody else there who wasn't doing that, um, it was people who had to right away, you know, move to, uh, South Carolina to get a teaching job because they had a family to support already. Mm. Uh, or these are people who, you know, had no interest in the New York art world and kind of just wanted to, get a degree because they just wanted to further their practice and then move to, you know, uh, some place in Oregon and make ceramics or whatever. But I would say the vast majority of the people when I was there, that was the plan was to get to New York after school as fast as possible. And, um, I still think there's a, there's still something to that. I think if you really want to end up, uh, on the upper tier of like the kind of, you know, whatever you want to call it, the kind of fancy art market that New York's the place you kind of got to do it. Um, but I don't think it's the same as it used to be. I think that if you go on Instagram, you can see people doing great and selling work and showing a lot who are in very, very random places these days. Um, which I mean, I, I think that used to be almost impossible, you know? So yeah, I don't think it's, I think it depends on what you want. I think it depends on what you're, what you're looking for and what kind of, you know, career you're looking for. Or maybe you're, you know, there's people out there that just like to make work and don't really care if they show it. And then there's other people who, you know, want to have, have the whole package and want to be at a really big calorie and have really expensive work. And, I think that, you know, there's, that's still what New York and LA, that's kind of what that's for still, for sure. It's like, you know, it's a very commercial part of it. It's, that's, there's a system in place and that'll probably be there forever. But yeah, I think that it's a different, you know, it's just a different time frame now where that's not the only option. There's, there's a lot of in-betweens now, I think. Do you, um, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's probably hard to uh, quantify, but do you find it easier making work outside of New York or has it sort of your environment, like being out in LA or outside of New York or within New York, like, 
does your work change based on where you are? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I'm really impressed by, uh, people that can make work in New York. Um, I actually still kind of don't get it. I, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy that there's so many people in such a small area. I mean, to, to me, New York is really small because I drive in New York and I've always driven in New York and it's, you can get so quickly to, to, from one place to the other. Um, it just feels really tiny to me. And the fact that the, there's such a saturation of people all making, you know, paintings and trying to show them and trying to sell them. I, I th- that pressure alone just gives me a kind of an anxiety just thinking about it. And I, you know, I've heard stories from friends of people like, you know, I'm in a studio building with 30 other painters and they're always knocking on each other's doors and looking at each other's work and asking about what they're up to. And, and, and it it almost seems like it would be impossible to get anything done. Um, you know, and like I, I've made, I've made work everywhere I've lived. I've lived in little apartments with no studio and made work on the floor. I've, I've, you know, house sat for people and made work in their yard. I've had big studios. I've had little studios, uh, made work in New York. So, you know, I can kind of make it work. I feel like wherever I am, but I, I left New York because I just, I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't see myself being able to make the work I wanted to make by staying there. Um, it didn't make sense for me financially. I, I couldn't afford a big studio and I wanted to make larger work. And that was basically the decider for me. I also feel like New York's great, but it's just, it's so distracting. And when you're younger and you're really into going to the bar and you're really into going to openings and the party afterward, you know, New York doesn't close and you can do that every night. Um, That option is always there. And I found, I found it really hard to focus with that, like, you know, that, that going on all the time. So, but yeah, I find it amazing that people can, have these, you know, very serious painting careers in the city. Um, it's pretty incredible. So you were saying before that yeah, music is a really big part of your life. Sure. Um, have you played music before? Like, are, are you a musician? Um, I grew up like in a house where like my dad is like a big, he's a big guitar guy. Um, he still is, he's really good. And so I was turned on to all that really young and I like dabbled with the guitar and whatever I played drums. Um, but it's funny, like growing up where I, where I you know, grew up, um, kind of like when you watch movies and stuff where it's like kids are starting a band or whatever. And it's like, I, I played drums around here and nobody had any interest in playing anything. Mm. Um, which was funny cause I, I would have loved to be in a band or, you know, do something like that. And it just never nobody ever wanted to do that like no, none of my friends play any instruments which i think is so funny oh. um yeah so it's like i never got the chance to really jump into that which i i feel is like kind of a regret um because i do find it you know it's a huge part of my life it's really important to me um but yeah that never happened and it's like so maybe this you know i, I really like it because i'm i live vicariously through it or something i'm just really into the music I'm into. So it's, it's always there in the car, in the studio and everywhere I go. And yeah, it's kind of strange that nobody else wanted to help me out with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. I, so you're from Connecticut, right? Yep. Connecticut area. Yep. Yeah. I guess uh, a lot of the 
because I'm from Milwaukee and there is a lot of yeah. like underground music and yeah different styles um I'm trying to think that's a, like that's I mean, a great city I really like Milwaukee yeah Milwaukee is really cool I always yeah try to tell people about it and uh yeah art scene it's you know there's a couple galleries but the music yeah. scene's huge and yeah uh, you know there's a lot of there's like some anarchists and like heavy political vegans and yeah um, cyclists and kind of like uh you yeah know, punks. i also, I, also I, I think the thing with the music thing too because I, I it's funny i think about that a lot like why it didn't happen um i think was a big time frame thing i i think that maybe if it were the seventies or eighties and I was really into playing the drums, I would have had better luck. And then I think when the mid to late nineties rolled around, which is when I was kind of into that stuff, it was all turning into like cell phones and like flashy rap music. And I think that, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think kids my age really have the attention span to kind of like buckle down and you know learn how to play the guitar it was just too it was too much like i don't i don't think that people had the attention span it was everything was moving starting to move really quickly and things were becoming very fast and very flashy and i think to to slow down and try to actually learn something as difficult as guitar was just uh, just too much which i which i understand i always found guitar really uh frustrating too so i kind of get it Mm -hmm. yeah i just i remember like well, I was, I guess, still kind of young, but like, yeah, like how the Strokes like <laughs> brought rock and roll back, I guess. Right, and, right. And then sure. there's the yeah. British, the new British wave, and yeah, yeah. And then, um, then I remember like even in high school, like some of the, not necessarily mainstream stuff, but it was like, you know, I felt like jam rock was getting really big again. Yeah. And yeah, that whole movement. Yeah. But um. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, before I started making, you know, art, I was really really into music and yeah, uh, knew how to play a few instruments. But I always think about like the different music scenes, like in New York or New Jersey or yeah, DC or Philly. You know, at the time, like you know, post two thousand or whatever. Right, and of course, like I feel like you and me, we totally missed that like magical window in Providence, you know? Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> With that whole thing, which of course I, I feel like anybody that went to Rizzi after that, it was just like, Oh man, you totally missed it. You know? <laughs> I was like, well, thanks. Yeah. I remember that, but yeah. you know, there's still, I still, I still think people are trying to make noise music, you know, in Providence yeah. and Pawtucket. Yeah, and... for sure. And it's like, again, this stuff, I think it all goes in cycles. And also I, I feel like, especially with art stuff or whatever, it's like, it's always, it's the, it's the grass is always greener thing, you know, where it's like, well, this painter, you know, really wanted to be a musician and this, this guy who plays a guitar always wanted to paint or whatever. So it's like, you know, it's hard to try to dabble on all of them and do, do a good job. So, yeah, I'm still trying to learn how to cook. That's like my next, that's like the next thing on my list. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now that now the pandemic, I'm finding myself, experimenting in the kitchen a lot more than I, than I have before. So it's like a kind of a cool thing that kind of came out of it for me at least. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a go-to dish? Um, I've just been like trying to eat super healthy and super light. And um, I just make myself like little sandwiches or like little pasta plates and try to stuff out. Nothing, nothing too fancy. 
because it's just me. So it's not like I have to make this for other people and make a ton of food. So, but yeah, I think I'm going to like, you know, get a, get a couple nice knives and maybe, maybe like try something a little more advanced at some point. <laughs> yeah. it sounds good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what were your like different experiences with working with like galleries, whether it was like through your past solo shows or like building relationships with galleries, just doing group shows or, or something like, I think it's, it's all, it's funny. It's like, I think it's all, they're all different. You know, I've, I've found every single one to be different. Um, I think just kind of because every, you know, every person you deal with is a different person. Um, I think it's almost kind of like a, a comic strip or something, you know, it's like, there's like characters in the comic strip where it's like, you have the, the lazy gallery guy who never returns emails and never texts you back. You have the overzealous gallery person who emails you every second asking for this JPEG image and needs to have higher resolution. And then you have, you know, the shady gallerist who doesn't pay you, you know, ignores you when you ask where your work is. Um, I would say it's a completely mixed bag all across the board. Um, and you know, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. And, uh, the ones that are the good ones are the ones you stick around with for a long time. So I feel like if you kind of look through, um, a painter's resume, if it's on their website or on a gallery website, and if you kind of see down the line that they've done shows with a couple places consistently, and that's kind of a signal that things are working there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, again, every person you meet has a different personality, just like if you meet someone at the supermarket or if you meet at a painter in their studio, everyone's different. So that totally applies to the gallery side of it too. And, you know, good, bad, and in the middle, you know? Maybe like we could talk about just the, cause I like kind of going over like the history of like the art scene. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm just trying to remember there, there were like a fair amount of art fairs, like around like the 2010s or whatever. And yeah. there's all these galleries and just mainly Chelsea and, the Lower East Side. Um, yep. Do you remember some of these galleries? Or, or um, I know there's a lot that have closed. Or like, how do you feel about like, you know, how the neighborhoods have changed? Or um, sort of like your experience with that? I think it's I. You know, it's funny because the art world has to constantly come out with these articles all the time. <laughs> you know, all these all these websites and lists about what's the cool space and who's, who's the cool artist and who's not and whatever. And I, I stopped looking at a lot of that stuff for a while. It's been a while now because it really just kind of, it's more information than I need. And a lot of it's just stuff you already know or don't care about. Um, but there's a lot of articles that talk about, you know, mid tier galleries are disappearing because these large ones are, you know, taking over and and now the only thing left is these large ones and then these really, really small ones. And 
you know, I, that's unfortunate. I think that mid tier places are, you know, kind of in limbo with, you know, what they're trying to do. And it's really tricky and they, you know, they want to show good work and they want to show interesting work. But at the same time, I think people have a tendency to forget that this is a business and these places need to make money and these people have families and they've got bills. And so you see this situation where I think a lot of galleries in the last five years have had to show a lot of work that they don't want to show and Mm -hmm. they have to do it because it sells. And so there's a part of me that doesn't really feel too bad for some of these places that close because their heart wasn't really in the right place anyway. You know, right. it's like if yeah. you're constantly showing work that you're not behind with artists and you don't really care about having a relationship with, then maybe it wasn't, maybe you're in the wrong business, you know? And um, I think we saw a lot of that in the last five years. And I think the great thing that came out of it, the, the best thing is that younger um, artists and dealers and guys like you and people that we show with and I think there's a community there that makes things work on a smaller scale. Uh, there's less overhead, there's less of a gamble, and that's where you can really show work that's really interesting and where you can really have this kind of community, um, you know, which is a word I think that gets thrown around a lot in the art world. But I think they're really that is how you really build a community because it's, it's peer support. And that's always been... Um, the most support I've gotten is peer support. You know, I, I, I make a living, but sometimes barely. And uh, the support I get from friends and from peers is huge. And, and it's, uh, that's something that, you know, a mid-tier gallery who won't come to your studio and just wants pictures of your work so they can sell it over JPEG to some random person at some fair you know, I think that's just way more important. So, you know, I don't, I don't feel too bad about that kind of stuff. I think that, you know, just like the real estate world or the restaurant world, that places do well, places open, places close. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of good things that are coming out of those changes um, that maybe some people aren't aware of, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot more interesting things happening. And now to, to throw the, pandemic on top of that situation is just you know i think people are really anything goes now you know what i mean it's all fair game to try try something out you know and fail if you you know the fail is okay too and you know so we're seeing that all happening uh in real time so yeah i think it's really interesting i had heard stories of like people showing work that just aren't behind you know but the fact that you're saying that like, well, if they weren't really into it, then maybe it's like a sign that they maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you can, if you followed, if you followed a, a you know, a, a gallery program for years and they start making a couple moves that really kind of stick out like a sore thumb, it, I, it's pretty obvious. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. these places are, are going for an immediate money grab. Um, but again, it's like, they kind of, they kind of set themselves up, you know, a lot of these places that close that you read about or whatever were places that bid off more than they could chew. And they, you know, they, mm, they right. rented out much larger spaces when things were going great. And it's like, maybe, you know, you learn to keep your overhead low, much kind of like a painter in their studio situation. Um, and, and then that shows you why they have to make these decisions because it's just a hundred percent financial. So, you know, the, you know, my sympathy doesn't, doesn't go too far for a lot of these situations. 
Um, and in the, you know, then, and again, the nice part of it is, is that every time one of these mid tier places, you know, closes or whatever, about five great apartment galleries pop up run by young people that can literally do whatever they want. So yeah, I think it, I think it all, I think it all kind of makes, makes more sense, you know? Maybe you could talk about some of your work, what you're working on right now, if you want to, or the main body of work you're focusing on. Yeah, um, I'm just making work right now. Um, this is going to sound silly describing this stuff, but I'm making some paintings um, based on tornadoes, like the shape of tornadoes. Oh, wow. And yeah, so I just felt like it's a kind of an image that you've seen a million times, whether on posters or in movies. And it's funny, if you if you look up on Google, you know, tornado painting, um, it's just endless. It's just it, there's endless paintings of tornadoes from all all years, all different kind of situations, movie posters, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of like this idea that it's like it's already been done um, a million times. It's it's been done by a lot of people. So I was like, well, I, I want to try. I want to try to make, you know, my version of a tornado painting, make it feel like a tornado. And this all was, uh, you know, this idea came from also driving through Louisiana um, on my way to L.A. years ago and driving through a storm um, and it being really scary, it being a really kind of one of the times I was the most nervous and uh, just kind of looking at the color of the sky, this kind of like pinkish yellow while I'm driving, driving around and the wind's getting really intense and on the radio they're saying that you need to find shelter immediately um, so that's kind of where those came from. Another body of work I'm making now are, uh, paintings of shaker stoves. Um, and there was a show I saw years ago, uh, it was a dealer named Jeff Bailey and he ran a space oh, yeah. in Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he ran a cool little space and he ended up moving to Hudson, New York. He kind of, uh, left New York, but still kept a small gallery in Hudson. And um, he did a great show there where it was uh, Shaker Objects and Ellsworth Kelly Prince. And it was one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. Um, and then the show traveled to the New Britain Museum of American Art in Connecticut. So I got to see it again in a museum context. Mm -hmm. um, and just a really beautiful show. And the, there's a small Shaker stove, a style of a stove that they made that um, I think is a really beautiful object. And so I've been trying to use those um uh in in my paintings right now so i've been doing those and uh yeah and then just a couple things you know in between just trying stuff out so that's kind of where i'm at right now earlier you mentioned um when you're in the, out in the west coast like being at a nature reserve you're making work leading up to grad school oh that was here yeah yep yeah just the way you you know talk about coming back to the East coast and then now the tornado paintings, which sound really interesting. Um, what's your sort of connection or relationship to, to nature and then I guess like landscape painting too. If... Yeah, I think, it, I think, uh, as I've gotten older, it's become more and more important, um, or a big part of my routine or wearing that. And it definitely kind of seeps into the studio. Um, I, I grew up in a, a very rural area out here 
And, you know, once I got to around 13 years old, I became so obsessed uh, with New York because of, you know, hip hop music, skateboard culture, all this stuff that was happening, you know, right in New York City. Um, and my uncle lived in Manhattan. So from that age, I was I was trying to get down there as much as I could uh, with friends. And, you know, we had really cool, you know, friends and their parents would bring us down and would bring us to all the really famous skateboarding spots when we were younger. Um, so for like a big, big chunk of time, I would say up until I was like, you know, almost 30, uh, I was just really, really into New York, just every, everything about it. Um, but yeah, once I left, left the city, um, you know, there was a part of me that really felt kind of like, you know, I, I gave up or I'm failing, like, I'm not going to be a real painter because I'm not, I'm not in New York anymore. Um, and then the more time I spent out here, I just really, you know, started to enjoy, um, how accessible nature was, you know, and it still is. I mean, I was at a waterfall on the river the other day and it's only 20 minutes away and it's just a really, really incredible spot. Something you'd see, you know, out of a book or out of a movie or something. So, yeah. And I think that all that stuff, all the palette stuff. You know, and I, I I make a lot of, you know, abstract paintings that I think that kind of could pass as a landscape. And I think that kind of goes both ways. I think a lot of abstract paintings I look at feel like landscapes to me, or I think there's, I find a landscape in there or a horizon line or something. Mm -hmm. So I think that stuff definitely, you know, is an influence. Um, yeah, and it's funny, I've had this conversation with a lot of painters where, we joke about like, well, you know, if you're out in, you know, near nature and you make a lot of paintings that are green and there's, there's these, you know, rolling, <laughs> rolling hills, it's like, well, how come, how come painters in New York, how come all of their paintings don't just look like skyscrapers? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think it, I think it kind of, you know, influences you in different ways, but definitely not, you know, not super directly. I'm not sitting here making, you know, plain, plain air paintings. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny how you know when you're when I was younger, it, it was it was New York or nowhere, and now it's uh, now that's that's definitely shifted a lot as I've gotten older. Do you find um, being out in nature like meditative, or does it have this emotional quality that maybe seeps into your painting practice at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely spend a lot of time outside and. Um, it's funny. I don't, you know, a lot of people get really bummed about the winter on the East coast and, you know, I'm not a huge fan of severe cold either, but I think a big reason I don't like the winter is because I can't spend as much time outside, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it just gets really tough. And like, even, even hiking trails and stuff like that, it just gets so icy and so, so hard to kind of get through that it really cuts off a lot of your options. And I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, I I go out of my way. If I'm not going to the studio, which is every other day, I'm I'm definitely going to a river, to waterfall, to a long hike. Um, I, that's it's pretty crucial. I have to do it um, to feel like I've kind of accomplished something in the day. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if it necessarily has an effect in the studio, but I think that just the fact that it's a part of my routine makes it part of it, you know? So that's interesting. It feels like it's like some sort of, um, equalizer maybe like for your 
like psyche or something or, you know, clear the air kind of expression. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And I, you know, I feel pretty lucky uh, that it's so accessible. I mean, I feel like when you live in certain parts of New York, it, it can be really hard to get that experience. And I always hear, I always hear people say, well, you know, it's in, in, in New York, we, you know, you can go to the park and I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't personally find that the same. Yeah. I think that's kind of people in the city trying to pretend that they have both, but I, I don't think they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but at the same time, it's like, I can't, you know, I can't run to MoMA in 30 minutes. So again, it's like, it's always, it's always a trade-off, you know, I don't think there is any, any perfect in the middle. And I, I felt the same way, uh, you know, in LA, I mean, it's, it, it felt, felt very similar. So it's like, I think that people in big cities maybe sometimes like to trick themselves that they have both, but I, I don't, I don't think that's true. In your studio, uh, we were talking a little bit how you have multiple series that you, you kind of work on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you ever find that you're just just looking at your work and not actually, you know, physically painting, or is it? Have you found like a balance between the two where you just you're constantly making work and? Yeah, I think um, I think I've I've slowed down a real lot. I think when I was younger uh you know getting out of school or when I was in school or those couple of years after that I think that um this whole idea of being prolific and making tons of drawings and you know kind of kind of just going nuts in the studio that was that was a big part of that time frame that age having that energy and I'm I'm hard I'm pretty hard on myself about what I make I don't like a lot of work I made in the past it's hard for me to look at it's hard for me to deal with um, so I think my production in the last couple of years has been gotten, gone way, way down, um, because I'm just trying to just go slower and, um, try to, try to make things that have a little more weight to them, um, with mixed results, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's weird. And, you know, you read, uh, interviews with painters where they talk about going to the studio and literally spending a day looking and um I, I i get it more now than ever i mean i i i take you know obsessive photos of the work i'm making and then i go home and i look at them on the screen i look at them in the photoshop program on my phone i make changes on the paintings in photoshop on my phone um and it's funny because people have told me you make really analog work it's very very analog and the irony is that I'm mocking all of it up when I get home <laughs> on my phone. You know what I mean? It's almost just like you can't escape using this, this system or something. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it varies and I think it, it definitely changed for me. Um, I didn't want to put out as much as I used to. And I think that that all can also go hand in hand with when you're working with galleries, when certain work is selling. I think that, all that stuff with kind of how demand works can be a pretty uh, tricky situation to deal with. I think some artists are great at handling it and it, they make the kind of work where that's um, a really good fit. And I think that for other people um, it can be really dangerous. And I think I was kind of somewhere in the middle with that. So I think that kind of where I'm at now uh, slowing down, has been a big part of how things are going and it's been really nice. And I think it's, 
I'm enjoying working working that way. How long does it take you to to finish a painting? Like, um, or do you kind of have an idea and you just kind of go with it, like right off the bat? Yeah, I think it's I think it's both. I mean, um, I think sometimes I'll try something out and it'll almost freakishly accidentally work a little too soon. And I think every painter kind of knows what that's like, where you kind of, you don't have to do anything else and you can kind of let it go and you're, you're somewhat content with it, which is nice. And then I, I think there's other pieces where I've joked with painters where I'm like, it's, it's literally a cursed stretcher where you have to destroy it. You have to Mm. get it out of your studio where it's almost kind of like, no matter what you do to this painting, it just doesn't want to work. Um, and I think there's, it's, it's a whole range like that, you know, and I, I also paint over a lot of work it's, which is, you know, can be really problematic. Um, especially for when you're working with a gallery, they really don't like that. Um, where I'll make a body of work and sometimes even large paintings. And then I'll kind of look at them for a month in the corner and just get really frustrated with them and just completely go over them. So I do that a lot. And I think that when people say, Oh, you know, this painting you made had a really nice surface. I'm like, well, yeah, that's because it was like painting number 37. Oh, wow. You know, that's not, that's not coming out of the fact that, you know, I'm just, it's all trial and error. I feel like for a lot of paintings, um, I, I wish paintings came more effortlessly. And when you, when you see artists that can paint effortlessly, it really stands out. You know, it, that they're not, they're not stressing about it. It's very natural. And, um, I'm I'm envious of that. You know, there's through history you see that. You see people who's they just got it down, you know, they have the shapes, strokes, it's everything's in, in the right place and you can tell it didn't it didn't take them much. And then I don't know, yeah, I think for me sometimes I have to really, really kinda work through it and really kinda it's almost like doing sculpture. You you ever feel that way where you're making a painting and you feel like it's almost sculpture because you're literally just shaping shaping this painting using using material. Um, yeah, it can be really tough. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I used to feel that way. Yeah. Where it's kind of, yeah, it's almost, it's almost kind of like painting is this analog version of Photoshop where you're just trying so hard to push a shape in the direction you want it to go in for it to feel right. Um, it's almost kind of more like sculpture than it is painting, you know? Is this sort of like, um, cathartic, you know, after like, uh, certain struggle with the painting where it like comes out the way you want it. It, Do you feel like, is it like kind of therapeutic or you feel better after you've like accomplished that versus like just making it like first go or just a few, few shots at it? Yeah, it's weird. I I think about that idea actually a lot because I'm kind of like, well, you know, I've explained to people in interviews or when we we talk to people that I feel like, um, you know, there are these aspects of, you know, this is helpful mentally or it's helpful medically, you know, it's transcendental, there's meditation elements, there's all this stuff. And the more I find the most enjoyable part uh, or helpful part of being in the studio is kind of not when I'm beginning one, a painting or when I'm finishing one, but all of the work in between, I think is probably the most helpful. Um, 
because it really is kind of that transcendental space where, you know, you're sweeping a floor for 30 minutes. And at first the sweeping is annoying and you don't want to do it. And, you know, you're, you know, your dad told you to go sweep up, so you don't want to do it. So you start. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, your mind is like heavily, heavily wandering, uh, coming up with all these strange ideas, remembering things that you haven't thought about in a long time. Um, things that you, you know, you're reminding yourself you need to do, making kind of a, you know, mental checklist. All these things are happening while you're doing this really simple motion over and over. And then you're kind of done and you've, you know, you've sweeped the whole place and then you're finished. So I feel like the, the, the most helpful part is not even the, the stress of does it look right or is it finished or whatever, but it's kind of like on the way there is the, is the best part. Um, because when I finish stuff, I, I think I'm happy with it for maybe, I don't know, maybe a week. I mean, I'll, I'll look at the, the image on my phone and I'll, I'll, I'll think to myself, you know, this, this one's working or this is a, this is pretty good or decent. And then all it takes is time to go by. And then you're working on a new one. That's a better version of the, that old one, which you thought was pretty good. And then, then you don't like the old version anymore. Um, and that's like a constant thing for me is like, it's, it's pretty hard for me to be content with what I'm making, but also maybe that's helpful because then I just keep making more and try to make a better version. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's always been a kind of a strange, strange spot for me. With your paintings, do you, do they kind of start off with like images in your head or like, what's your sort of reference point when you start paintings? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of do that from a couple different ways. Um, so there's ones that are specific, like I made a painting recently based on a drawing I did um, in 1989 when I was six. So that was obviously very kind of, that was kind of planned out. I was like, well, I want to use this image. Um, I'm going to put it in this part of the canvas. I'm going to use this color. Um, that was planned out. And then, you know, then on the other, other hand, there'll be a canvas on the floor that has, you know, uh, a wash of a color on it and I'll look at it and I'll kind of be like, well, you know, that already kind of looks like a tornado. Let me see if I can maybe turn it into one. And, um, sometimes that works too. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's any perfect way. I think I'll, I'll use any way I can, whether it's, you know, completely random going over a painting a thousand times and finally getting that one shape or one color that makes something start to happen. Or, or I'll totally plan it out from the beginning and I'll have, you know, an idea of what I want it to look like, um, how I want the color to feel. So I think that it's all, it's different for everything, you know. Do you ever tap into like, I, I know you're talking about, um, which is interesting, like kind of sweeping the, and going through the process. Um, do you find yourself ever tapping into your like subconscious where you're like, you know that feeling where you're like your like body's there but your your mind is somewhere else or or vice versa yeah. yeah i mean definitely i think that with any of that kind of stuff that kind of transcendental idea um i you know whenever i'm having like a really tough day or a day where i just feel really down or really cloudy or things aren't working 
I, you know, most of the time I force myself um, to go to the studio um, and I'll get there and I'll be in a really bad mood and I won't want to work and I don't want to do anything. And um, I force myself to do something, whether it's uh, just so a canvas or, you know, even cleaning, um, organizing the studio. And uh, I, I, I think that's the time when I come up with the most ideas for things that actually make um, is just kind of, yeah, I think, I think that is the way to tap into it because I don't really get a lot of ideas when I'm sitting at home watching, you know, a movie I've seen a thousand times. I don't, I'm, I'm not coming up with anything that I think is going to work, but I think, I think, you know, ideas for work come out of the work for sure. I think that's kind of the, the key um and i you know i think there's that pressure where it's like well to go to the studio you you know you got to use these expensive materials and make something amazing and i don't i don't think that's true at all i think you can go there and there's plenty you can do um that doesn't involve making some you know the best painting you've ever made that'll be just as helpful um you know doing something really really you know a task you know so yeah i think that that you know that was something I learned when I was younger because my dad used to make me do like a lot of chores and housework and yard work. And um, when you're a younger kid, you, you don't want to do a lot of that stuff. And he, he, he kind of conned me into it saying, you know, the, the best thing about, you know, sweeping this floor or, you know, raking this grass is that your mind will start to wander and you'll come up with cool ideas and he, I think he was totally, he was totally right. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a real idea that's out in the world. Transcendental meditation is a real idea. Oh yeah. TM. And yeah. And I, I feel like that kind of, you know, I mean, they, they kind of did it, you know, it's, it's corny, but they kind of did it in that movie karate kid with the whole wax on wax off thing. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of like, why are you making me, you know, wash these cars and what wax on wax off? And he's like, it's not about that. It's about like, you know, it's about your mind opening up, kind of trying to train yourself about focus. And, um, yeah, I, I think it does work in, in a, you know, in, in a strange way it does work. What do you think the, uh, sort of feature of, um, and we talked about a little like feature of galleries or, or museums or artists, um, cause it feels like not so much artists, but it feels like the industry is compartmentalizing a little bit, you know? Right. Um, or do you do you think like it's kind of like there's no more rules now and sorry you can kind of do whatever you want and it's kind of freeing or like a um i think i think like a lot of the interview we've done so far i think when it comes to this kind of you know the current situation i really i really believe both i think that i think that there's obviously parts of this whole system are going to stay very much the same um, I think money and like really big money is always going to play a huge part of it. And it always has. And it's just going to continue to kind of get even more bizarre, the numbers, you know, which uh, is just kind of inevitable, I guess. And I think that, you know, that kind of system, that very traditional system will be there for a long time. But on the other end, I think that there's a lot of people that aren't part of that. And there's a lot of people that don't want to be a part of that. And we now, you know, a lot of people have a platform uh, just through the phone to, to, you know, create something, create a space, create a group of friends, you know, and do something on their own. Um, you know, that's a lot easier than coming up with, you know, 
1500 bucks a month for a storefront you have to rent to show your paintings you know it's like you don't have to do it anymore i mean you can just do it in your closet and <laughs> take really take decent photos with nice lighting and then put it on an instagram account and it, it's kind of surprising how fast people you know you can get a following with that um so i mean i think that's a huge huge plus and a huge benefit of the time frame is that I think a lot of that stuff used to be really difficult to do. And I, you know, now if you do it very strategically, um, you can really, really kind of make it work. So I, I think that, I think both are in play and I think there's all of these, you know, different kinds of ways to do it, branching off from those. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. I think there's a lot of options. No, I guess a funny question. Um, do you think uh, like AI would ever be able to mm -hmm. sort of make art or like kind of be able to mimic like art made by humans? Or do you think yeah. that's kind of like totally fantastical? No, I mean, I, I think we've, we've literally gotten to a point where um, I don't, I don't really think if you're kind of talking about the art market of the art world, I don't really think it matters what any of it looks like anymore. I don't think there's any sort of level of this work that looks like this belongs here and work like this goes here. I think that I, I don't think that 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 matters anymore. I think that there's certain work that's going to have a market and it's going to want people. It's going to have people that want it. And no matter what it looks like, that will take it certain places. It'll take it to certain venues. Um, and I think the the funny thing is, is when you're growing up, and you're in a small town. And, you know, people who aren't super into contemporary art, I think they, the, the, the big thing is they always think that good art is art that looks real. So, you know, when you go to small frame shops or places in the country that sell paintings, it's always like, you know, a hyper realist, you know, uh, right. image of a barn or of a duck in the water. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's all out the window. I, I don't I, I think if AI can make art, sure. I think if they could get a market for it, then it can be shown anywhere. I don't I don't think there's any rule anymore of if that would work or wouldn't work. I think that any I think anything works, you know, and like I have this conversation with my dad because he's older and he's, he's you know, retired. And he has a lot of free time on his hands. And I'm like, well, you know, you should you should go to Michael's and you should buy some paint and you should try to make some paintings. And he and he he's so intimidated by the idea of painting because he's afraid they won't be good. Oh. And I think we're kind of living more now than ever in a time frame where it's it's beyond subjective. I, I don't think there's any barometer of good anymore, because if you know good art is what they're showing at major galleries. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I really buy that. So I think it's, I think it's all just art. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I think it's just what you decide you'd like. So if an AI, you know, arm or machine <laughs> can make the right painting and the right people like it, I don't think they'll care if an AI made it or an elephant made it or, you know, yeah. a tree, a tree blowing in the wind made it with a brush attached to it. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll really make a difference as, as long as it's, you know, as long as they can sell it or get it to the right place or whatever. Well, I think that, um, sort of like all my questions right now, I guess. Just cool. To think of. Well, can I, can I ask you one before I leave? Oh yeah, sure. 
Okay, I, I wrote this one down because I like I like asking people this one. Um, <laughs> is there ever an art show you saw that made you cry? Huh. Oh wow, that's interesting. Um... Or maybe one you just remember um, really making you emotional. You know, like noticeably, uh, you know, emotional more so than any of the shows you've seen before. It, yeah, I have like a couple answers for that just because yeah. I think I've talked about it a fair amount already, but oh, cool. just, just the time like, you know, after lockdown and it mm -hmm. was like, felt okay to go to, well, some galleries were opening in July and then, mm -hmm. and then I went to Clearing to their Bushwick Gallery mm -hmm. and it's really huge and it was just like, you know, during the day and all this natural light was pouring in and they just had this big survey group show of painting yep. of painting. And I just remember walking in and just the way it's structured, you can like literally walk in and no one will, you won't see anyone, especially, I guess, cause of the, um, you know, protocols or whatever, or how, right, how they right. were doing at the time. But I just walked right. in and no one was there. I'm, I'm sure like they had a camera on or something, but, yeah, it was this just this kind of like temple quest in a way. I had this really kind of incredible moment just being alone with all these paintings, and then just kind of after not seeing art in person for I guess it was like five months or so, which isn't even that long, wow. I guess. But like you know, sort of, I feel like I see art like every day, you know, I guess it felt yeah. long that way, yeah. or, you know, people didn't know what was happening, you know, when it yeah, was but that's, scary. That's kind of, that's kind of amazing. Cause it, for, for that, you know, to, for you to feel that way, it was almost kind of more about the time frame than it was about what the actual work was. Yeah. And, and almost kind of like the, like the architecture and how open it felt. That's really interesting. It wasn't just about the actual work. Yeah. I mean, some of the work, like I, I, I did like a lot, but right. I think it was, yeah, it, I guess it was, I like sensed this like spiritual connection to art again or something yeah, that like, like right, right, yeah. Right time, right place. Yeah. That was like very visceral that like, yeah. you know, I, I feel a lot with art I see all the time, but it was just yeah. like, oh, one of those kind of like aha moments where it's like, whoa, <laughs> kind of hit great. me in the face. And then, yeah. The other time that I can think of was um, when I, I was during school, I was able to live in Rome for six months mm -hmm. through their program. And yep. um, I went to London like one weekend and it was really cool that they had a retrospective of Francis Bacon and then another one of Cy Twombly at oh, wow. both of the met, both of the Tates and, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was sort of, I think it was the first time I've seen a bunch of, yeah, Francis Bacon paintings all at once. And wow. of course, like it was just mind blowing. And then at the time I was really into, well, I was making abstract paintings too. So just all the Cy Twombly works were really hit me kind of over the you head. You were just, you were just blown away. Yeah, just multiple fronts. Yeah. So that was... I always think about that a lot too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But what about you? 
Oh, I just, yeah, I wrote it down because I, I like that question because I, oh, I always get a really good answer out of that. I think everyone I ask always has at least one one answer. And they're, they they range from I was offended to I was really upset to I was wow. really inspired um, to some show. And mine was uh, uh, the uh, Don Bacardi uh, drawings of Christopher Isherwood, who was his, his partner and it was drawings of Christopher Isherwood's last days dying of cancer. Mm. And they were uh, just these really simple kind of pen and ink drawings on paper. Uh, and this show was at Chime and Reed in 2009. Wow. And uh, yeah, just like really, really powerful imagery. Um, definitely, definitely the most choked up I've ever seen looking at like 2D art in my life. So. That one, that one's, that one takes the prize until I see something, until I see something sadder at some point. Yeah. So we'll see. But that's that's interesting to think about because I don't, I don't think I've ever really physically cried in front of art before. But yeah, that's that's what we got to go find the stuff that really <laughs> makes us just lose it. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Rothko Church at Chapel. Yeah, been. yeah, that that would that's been a couple of people's answer actually. Oh, the wow. Chapel, yeah, definitely, yeah. Cool, man. Is that it? Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, um, thank you so much. Great to great to talk with you. Yeah. Great. Well, have have a good holidays and New Year, and keep me posted. Yeah, I will. Thank you so awesome. much. Yep. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. Bye.